Afternoon, everybody. Today I'm wearing an Ashland tie, Ashland University, uh, home of the Eagles. Uh, they certainly have a great athletic tradition, uh, starting with Gil Dudes winning an NCAA cross country national championship in 1940. And I can tell you, uh, we followed our son, uh, Mark, who ran for the College of Worcester. Um, and we have seen this purple, uh, a lot of these runners out there um, way up front in these cross-country meets. So they have a great uh, tradition of, of cross-country. Uh, Ashland University is also home to the John Ashbrook Center. Uh, and a personal note, my press secretary, Dan Tierney, and our deputy director of children's initiatives, Brianna Lushick, are both proud Ashland University graduates. Say hello to everybody out there, all the alumni from Ashland. Today, Ohioans of all faiths will be taking part in the National Day of Prayer. Our National Day of Prayer traces back uh, to President Truman, who signed the bill in 1952. Proclaiming the National Day of Prayer, and in 1988, President Ronald Reagan signed a law to have the National Day of Prayer occur on the first Thursday uh, in May. You know, President Eisenhower is also very much involved in National Day of Prayer. As we navigate our way through the coronavirus pandemic, we remember in prayer all of our fellow Ohioans who have been on the front lines of this pandemic. Our healthcare workers, our first responders, our essential workers, all who serve every single day. We also pray for our citizens who have been infected with this virus. We pray, pray for their safe recovery. And we pray for those who are grieving following the loss of loved ones. We pray for hope. We pray for healing. We pray for strength for all Ohioans uh, in the days to come. I'd like to take a moment to congratulate a member of my staff on his wedding this Saturday. James Galt will be marrying his best friend, Kayla Stevenson, on Saturday in Mount Vernon. Not exactly the wedding uh, they had originally planned, I'm sure, uh, but they're move, moving forward with what promises to be a beautiful ceremony with a very small group of family, all, of course, following social distancing guidelines, they tell me. Fran and I are very happy for them, and we wish them all the best. The last uh, <clears throat> week or so, we've talked about how we need to, as Ohioans, do two things at once. Bring back our economy. Uh, at the same time, stay safe. Uh, we are Ohioans. We can do it. I want to talk a little bit uh, about that today. Uh, we're going to be making a couple of announcements today about things that we are opening up uh, in, in the economy. How we open up, how we do it, uh, is so very, very important. And the how is really an essential part of how successful we're going to be in doing these two things. We have asked 
businessmen, businesswomen, professionals to work with experts in health, people from health departments around the state, in a number of different working groups. Um, we have two announcements today, <clears throat> and we have groups that met, met on the phone, uh, people from all over Ohio who tried to come up with literally the best practices uh, as we open businesses up and as we open professions back up. I know people are very excited and looking forward um, to this. To kind of recap, uh, last week, last Friday, um, hospitals that have been open, uh, but they've dramatically expanded what they're doing, and it's really the, the time for people to get caught up uh, through their dentists, through their doctors, uh, through their hospitals, uh, with past uh, health-related issues that uh, it's time to take care of. And so we encourage people to do that. But last Friday, May 1, was hospitals. Uh, this past Monday, May 4th, was manufacturing. Uh, it was other uh, distribution businesses, for example, those that were not open uh, have now been opened. Uh, and in that case, we had a, a working group. Frank Sullivan headed up a working group of people from all over the state of Ohio, big businesses, small businesses, who came up with the best practices. And they're following that as these, these companies open, and even the ones that were already open are now following those best practices. Again, it goes back to the how we do it, how we stay safe as we restart this, this economy. Looking forward now, uh, May 12th, next week, this coming Tuesday, all, virtually all retail uh, will open up. Um, and so at that point, 89% uh, of our private economy will be back open in the state of Ohio. Uh, in each of these cases, uh, we had groups uh, that have done just an, an amazing job to come up with the best practices. And what we're trying to marry is the science and the practicality of that profession or that business. Every business is different. Every profession is different. Bringing people in who understand that, who do it every day, along with the science, uh, we believe that we've come up with the best practices. So let's talk about today. Um, <clears throat> we put a working group together uh, to look at hair, hair salons, to look at barbershops, uh, day spas, nail salons. Um, and we have today their, their report, uh, which we are making public, uh, providing the best practices uh, as these professionals start back in. Uh, we have set the date of May 15th, uh, week from tomorrow, and I'm sure that uh, that's, that's good news for, for a lot of people uh, who've been looking to get back, uh, particularly in, in regard to their hair. I know I've heard a lot about that. Um, and so, again, I just want to thank the working group. We had, we had barbers, we had hairstylists, we had people from all over the state of Ohio uh, who helped us do this, who wrote these recommendations, who came up with the best practices. Uh, and so I'm going to, at this point, uh, ask the chair, uh, Deborah 
Penzone and ask her uh, if she can Skype in here. Eric, we'll see if we have her on here. And I'm going to have her give a little report <clears throat> about, you know, kind of who they had on their group um, and what things really um, they recommended, what will be really different uh, as we look uh, to uh, future as they go back in. And it looks like Eric is having trouble pulling her up. All right, I will move on, I will move on then. Um, and we'll get back to Deborah in a moment. Let me talk about uh, restaurants and bars. Um, I want to thank the, the group. Uh, Trevor, Trevor Weaver uh, headed that group up. We'll hear from her in, in, in a moment. Um, both of these in the, both of these areas, restaurants and bars, uh, are already uh, significantly regulated, highly regulated uh, by by the state of Ohio. Uh, the same is true in regard to hair hair salons, barber shops. Very very much uh, regulated. So we start start with that. Uh, in regard to the restaurants and bars, you know they're certainly regulated in in regard to the Ohio food standards. Uh, the group that was put together uh, included people who run restaurants, uh, cafes, diners, everything from a very small uh, diner in rural Ohio uh, to uh, a chain of chain of restaurants. And so we had a lot of different people weighing in, coming up with the best practices. Um, we have set the dates for them to come back. Uh, beginning uh, for outside dining on May 15th, outside dining on May 15th, uh, and inside dining on May 21. So that's May 15th, outside dining, May 21, uh, inside dining. Can we do anybody by Skype yet? Eric. How you doing? Hi. Fine, Governor. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. You want to tell us a little bit about your your group and uh, kind of who you pulled together and, you know, kind of what what will be different uh, when customers come in and what maybe will be different for uh, the employees and, and the folks who, who are in charge. Just kind of tell us yeah, how this will look a little different. <clears throat> absolutely. Thank you. Uh, it was certainly my pleasure to lead this talented group. As you said, we had a wide variety of folks on the team. And we also had representatives from the health department. And it was really an amazingly collaborative effort. And I felt like the differences, um, while on the surface could look like they could be challenging, they actually strengthened the recommendation that we put together uh, for you. And it was certainly, like I said, my privilege to lead them. Um, you ask if I could share a few examples of maybe what the customers will experience as we reopen Ohio, our bars and restaurants. Uh, let's start with space. So restaurants and bars are going to be asked to create a floor plan that it complies with current social distancing guidelines. For example, under the current mandate, there are parties of 10 or less that would be seated together. And then each party is then going to be separated by either six feet or a physical barrier. So rather than having a hard and fast percentage like some states are doing, our advisory board actually focused on safety, not necessarily a specific number. So what do we mean by physical barrier? That could be uh, fine dining, for example. You could have a high booth back that's almost like a wall. 
or in some locations they're using plexiglass uh, that that's being installed to separate. So we wanted to give each owner an opportunity to comply with those constraints um, within their unique space. What about waiting areas? You might be asked to wait in your car um, for either seating or maybe food pickup, or there might be a designated area now for queuing. And we would ask customers to just comply with those guidelines and be sensitive to those guidelines. Um, a buffet bar or a salad bar uh, will now be served to you rather than self-service. And there'll also be some six feet guidelines that are placed in, in those queuing lines as well. Um, entryways, for example, customers are going to see at, this, at the entryway when they come in, there's going to be a list of COVID-19 symptoms, and we're asking the public to self-monitor and ensure compliance before they come in. Um, employees was also one of the areas that we we tackled. And so as you're entering and, and um, experiencing these restaurants, understand that while employees will be required to wear masks in certain positions, there are exemptions that will, for the restaurant industry, mostly apply to back of house. But if you see employees not wearing masks, understand these are for safety risks. One simple example is you don't want someone standing over a hot grill wearing a mask. So just understand that these restaurants are complying but there are some exceptions that will be listed. And you, um, as a customer, as a guest, you might be asked to wear a mask. That's gonna be at the discretion of the owners. And we would ask that you would respect those decisions. Um, another thing that you might see are gloves. Um, this is an interesting topic. I know the gloves, it kind of makes everybody feel like Superman, they can touch anything, but, and it gives this false sense of protection. And I know the viewing public um, sees that and there's a lot of concern around it. But there are very clear guidelines in food safety code that already exist today. And we as a team re are returning. Our recommendation is to return to those guidelines. Um, in many cases, we all ask our staff, put gloves on everybody, even though we know that's not necessarily best practice. Hand washing is and will continue to be the gold standard. And therefore, our committee is recommending um, that we follow those guidelines. So you are likely not going to see gloves um, on your cashiers or on your servers. Um, one other area, um, Governor, that you, when we talked about this idea of open congregate space. So open congregate area will remain closed during this first phase um, and we'll monitor our compliance as we go through this. But you could certainly repurpose that. So if you have a dance floor or other activity space, you can use that to, to be able to maintain that six foot distance of your tables. So that's why we didn't want to put a 50% uh, of fire code compliance in place because you might be able to keep all of your tables because of some of this open area and still maintain social distancing guidelines. So that's an example of how you could use that space. But I know we can do this, as you said, we can do things, two things at once. And I know we can do this. We can focus on safety and getting our restaurants reopened. So let's work through this together. Um, we're asking everyone to don your masks. Please be respectful of the associates. They are doing the best they can. We're Buckeyes. I know we can do this, Ohio. Thank you, Governor. And I can certainly answer any questions that you might have. Yeah, Trevor, thank you very, very much. Thanks for chairing the group. Uh, you had quite a... Uh, uh, cross-section of Ohio uh, on there. Um, I don't know if you want to comment about that or how that impacted sure. it. But. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was really amazing. We had, um, in fact, 
on Thursday night when I was given the list, I plotted it because I just wanted to know who the folks were that I was, you know, being asked to lead. And I was really happy to see we had, you know, a, a lot in Cleveland, uh, Southern Ohio, Cincinnati, Dayton, Akron. And then we had some of the more rural areas, Columbus, and we had big brands, big national brands. Uh, and, and the um, public can certainly see that was a press release. So everyone that participated, um, you can find that press release with the full gamut of those that participated. Um, we had fine dining, we had um, pizza, Italian, um, we had uh, a yogurt stand, we had a tap room, uh, quick serve, um, several of our you know national brands, family dining. So it was it was really a group that worked together and then they self-identified. So we had the three groups, customers, employees in space, and then they each got to identify which area they felt most compelled to help lead the discussion. And then it was done um, across uh, teams. They worked very hard. In fact, uh, one of our team members said it was one of the uh, most intense projects he's ever worked on. So um, for all of those in the industry, I was certainly proud to lead this group. They worked very hard all weekend long to put the best uh, recommendations forward. And Governor, we appreciated the guidance you gave us, which was you wanted to hear from us best practices that you didn't, you know, you didn't plan to override our decisions. It was our decisions to bring forward to you those recommendations. And so we felt very empowered to do that. Thanks, Trevor. One last question. Uh, mm -hmm. talk, talk to us a moment about bars. Bars present a unique challenge uh depends on how the layout of the bar is um what did you all come up with specifically in regard to bars yeah thank you for that so you know there was one um consideration and i know many states have done this in fact i think most did they separated bars and restaurants and we chose not to do that what we wanted to focus on was the physical space and the constraints to maintain social distancing guidelines so for example if you're a bar with tables and with chairs, you can follow these guidelines. So why should you not be permitted to participate in phase one? Where, um, and it can't be about the alcohol because restaurants are serving alcohol. So we're not making a distinction between a bar and a restaurant. What we're making a distinction on is physical space. If you have tables and chairs and can comply with these, guidance, these guidelines, then you can participate really for that open congregate area. And we understand we would have loved to have been able to include everyone in this phase one, but we needed to take it through these steps. And so that open space, if you want to put in picnic tables or folding tables, you can then you can comply. But it really is about that physical space and being able to make sure that we can monitor and have kind of discrete floor plans. And that's just hard to do with open uh, congregate area. I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks to you and to everybody on the group. We're, we're very, very grateful for what you've done. Thank you, Governor. Thank you. We will now go to uh, Hare and uh, look uh, forward to seeing uh, Debbie Penzone. We'll be coming up here in just, just a moment. John, I don't know if you want to say, uh, as we're waiting, uh, if you, you want to go ahead, anything you want to add? Oh, oh you're there. Okay. We have Debbie right there. Hey, Debbie. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. You want to give us a little report, uh, how, you're, how you're 
group worked and um, what you came up with. Yeah, you know, Governor, I was very honored to be um, a chair of the personal service committee and serve our great state, as well as I'm a licensed cosmetologist and hairstylist for 33 years. And our group of 30 in our committee was just amazing. It was very diverse. So we had the, you know, one operator barber to the one operator stylist. We had the booth renting salons represented, as well as salons and spas of all sizes. We also had nail salons, tanning and massage. And then we also had the three health commissioners that were on each and every call with us, guiding us with their knowledge. So I'm very proud of us coming together as an industry and uniting because, you know, just like the restaurants, there's so many different mom and pop shops or franchises or big salons, small salons. Um, but we all do the same exact service when it comes down to it, when it boils down to that personal service. And that was at the core of our, you know, working um, focus of our group was really how to deliver that personal service from the client to the professional and the safest manner and, and be able to be so inclusive of every type of business in our industry. So I was very proud of that to work with them. What's going to be what's going to be different uh, when someone goes in, um, has their hair done, uh, goes to a barber shop? Uh, what what are they going to feel different? I mean, what are they going to see differently, or what's going to be different? And what's going to be different from what uh, the person who's serving them is doing? Well, you know, for the appointments, uh, you might have to wait in your car until your appointment is ready. We'll also ask that the walk-in appointment or the appointment, that's the only person that enters into that facility, unless it is um, a child, of course, and the parent needs to come, or if they need a caregiver with them. And if they have a lobby or a waiting area, you're gonna see the markings or social distancing there. You won't see the magazines or product testing um, or self-serve beverages out in the waiting areas. And, um, you know, we'll be donning our professionals, we'll be donning the mask and uh, really asking that the clients and customers come with their face covering or their mask, especially with our services, um, being so personal and, and so close, um, delivering that service to that guest. And some facilities and some locations might have, you know, it mandatory that you wear that mask or face covering when you get your service done. Uh, we'll. We'll be cleaning a lot in between each and every guest. So the sanitation right now, we are governed by the Ohio State Board of Cosmetology and Barbering Board. So we do a lot of sanitation and take a lot of cat classes and, and online education all the time. So of course, we're gonna go above and beyond uh, with that as well to keep everyone safe and make sure that we're ready for uh, that customer. Well, that's great. Thank you very, very much to you and for your group for doing this. We're very, very, very grateful. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks for the good report. Thank you. We're Thank proud. You. A few, just a few thoughts um, as we take a couple big steps today, or at least announce when we're going to take these steps as far as opening up uh, the economy. Uh, this is a significant time in our journey. Uh, and just a few, a few thoughts. One, uh, this is a marathon. Uh, this is not a sprint. 
Uh, we're in this for the long haul. Uh, and I think we have to get our mind set that way. Uh, I never ran a marathon, but uh, a number of our children have, uh, Alice and Pat and Mark, uh, son-in-law Bill, son-in-law Nick. I may have missed somebody in the family. Anna did a half marathon. And, uh, but all, the, all our kids, uh, all eight kids were, were distance runners. And uh, although I, I <clears throat> my uh, running career kind of ended in junior high, but um, in our family, we're used to the long haul. Uh, we're used to the, the long distance. And I think really as Ohioans, we've got to think about this this way. This is not something that we're going to get through. It's not we're going to run through this quickly. Uh, that's just much as we would like to. That's just not going to happen. Uh, second, what we have to do uh, to do these two things at once, keep us safe, get the economy back, is complicated. Uh, and what we have to do to fight back a bit against the, the virus is quite complex. The best practices in these businesses and these professions that we talked about today and all the other ones, that's very important. And it's important that everybody out there in business and profession follow what your peers have come up with uh, as being the best practices so that we can ensure uh, that our empl employees are safe and that we can ensure that customers are safe and that people have confidence that they can, in fact, go, go, go out. Um, next, there's still a lot we do not know about this virus. All you have to do is turn on the news uh, and watch that, listen to that, read about it. Uh, this is constantly changing what we know. We know a lot more today than we knew before when it started, but we still have a lot to learn. Four, as we open up the economy, let me just state the obvious and not shy away from it. The risk is up. The more contacts that we have, uh, the more that we do, the more risk there is. Um, that we can expect. Uh, we are now, we think, at about a one-to-one -one ratio, uh, which simply means that on an average, one person who is infected with the virus in Ohio infects one other person. If we could get below that, then you start moving, move, moving downward. Um, we can expect that the opening up of this economy is going to take those numbers higher. But what we have to do is do everything in our power not to let those go very, very high. Um, and a lot of this depends on, on what we do. So what are the variables? What are the things that we're doing? Um, best practices for business, the best practice for professions. Men and women who've served on these groups have, have assured us of that. Uh, second, testing. We've talked a lot about testing. Uh, we've not had enough testing. The testing is going up dramatically in Ohio, and it's not enough uh, or not exactly where we want to be, but it's dramatically what it was higher than it was before. And this testing and the tracing uh, is going to remain an integral part of what we do. And I want to uh, give a shout-out to our 113 health departments out there uh, who are getting people, more people, on board, hiring people, uh, going to utilize this testing, utilize the tracing. 
And the tracing, as we've talked about, is, is probably as old as the Middle Ages uh, or maybe even before. It's not anything new. It is simply an opportunity to find out who is infected, then to go after that virus and stop that virus from moving from one host to another, from one person to another. Uh, it is all voluntary. It's a process that works, uh, but it takes execution uh, every single day. So the health departments out there and the men and women who are doing the tracing, thank you uh, for what you're doing. Uh, you're on the offense for us. You're going after it. Uh, that testing, that tracing uh, is very, very, very important. We're seeking it out. We're containing it. Um, we're isolating it. And the final thing, though, um, is what we all have control over, and that is ourselves. Uh, we're entering a, f a phase now in this where it's not so much about what I say or it's not so much about what Dr. Acton said or, or the lieutenant governor, and it's really never been that much about us uh, because you all have done an absolutely amazing job. Uh, I, I, coming here today, uh, I looked at a new chart uh, interactive chart uh, that was up, I believe, in the New York Times or the Washington Post, um, and it indicated, uh, and I looked at how much d distancing is occurring, and I compared Ohio to every state around us, uh, and you all were doing better. We were doing better. Not by a lot, but we were doing better uh, than every single state around us. So as we go through this from here, um, it's so very, very important, uh, so very, very important uh, for us to continue the social distancing. It is very, very important, uh, when possible, to, to wear a mask. Um, this is going to determine, really, uh, whether we can do this or not. Um, this is a gamble. Um, this is a new part of the journey. We're on, on a road that's never been traveled before certainly never been traveled before in Ohio. Um, it is a road that has danger signs on it, and we need to, under, we need to fully understand that. And what is the danger? Uh, the danger is that we relax. The danger is that we pull back. The danger is that we say, okay, well, things are better. Uh, we don't have to do this. We don't have to pull back with that, with that distance. Um, and if we relax, if we pull back, uh, if we take things for granted um, in a month, six weeks from now, seven weeks from now, things are not going to go the way we want them to go. We don't want to see a spike. Uh, we don't want to see that go up dramatically. We don't want to then have to make choices about are we going to pull back in the economy? What are we going to do? Uh, what businessmen and women have told me, and I wholeheartedly agree, uh, they were anxious to get started, but they said once we're started, we don't want to have to pull back. Uh, we don't have to close the business again. Uh, and so what you and I do is going to determine our ability to get the economy moving, keep it moving, uh, to be able to go out um, and do the things that, that we will be able to do, uh, but all the while uh, continue to be very, very careful. Um, so it really is in our hands, and we want to really, really 
continue to do what what we have to do and it will it will determine where this where this state really does in fact go um, let me say speak now directly <clears throat> to those uh, of you who are under 60 may not have uh, any kind of medical problems uh, And let me just talk to you first, if I could. Um, we look at the numbers uh, for people your age, for people who don't have a medical problem. Uh, the death rate is, is small. Uh, the risk is not nearly uh, as much as your friends who are, who are older. Um, but, there are, but there are some things that we do know. Uh, People your age can get awfully, awfully sick. Uh, don't die. Some die. Uh, but many times get just get very, very sick. And those numbers don't show up in, in the deaths that Dr. Acton talks about every single day. Um, you have it uh, within your power not only to impact your family, uh, but other people's families as well. Because while you may not be concerned about what happens to you, you may figure you're young, you're 20, 25, 30, and you're going to take the chance. Uh, you certainly can be a carrier, and sometimes you not even know that you are, in fact, a carrier. Um, so again, being careful for others, wearing that mask for others, uh, being careful. Uh, that you're not bringing that back to your 80-year-old grandmother uh, who is at great, great, great risk if she gets it. Um, these are all things that we have to continue to remind ourselves. And it's easy for, to forget. It's easy for me to forget. It's easy for anyone else. Things are great out there today. It looks a beautiful day, at least in southwest Ohio and central Ohio. Um, spring is coming. Spring's here. Summer's coming. And things look good, but the virus is very much still out there. For those of you who are over 60, certainly for those of you who are over 70, uh, the risk is high. Uh, the virus is still there. It is not, it is not gone away. Uh, and Dr. Acton uh, can show you, and you, I know you've seen in the papers, um, you know, the death rate as it, as it goes up, uh, as the age goes up. That's true with age. It's also true if you have, do in fact, you know, have a, a medical problem. So, again, um, I would just remind you, as we open up the economy, there's more opportunities, things to do. Everybody wants to get out. Uh, but just be very, very, very careful. Uh, this, too, will pass. Uh, we're going to get through this. This, this is not forever. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be ample opportunity uh, to do the things that we all love to do, to see the grandkids. There's going to be ample opportunity when we're done, done with this, to take that trip, uh, to live your life. Uh, and there's so many, many people, if uh, you're 70 or 80 or 90, uh, who care very, very much about you, who love you, and who want you to be around uh, in years into the future as far as humanly possible. Uh, so please be careful uh, for them. Um, this is a good day. Uh, this is a day when we're opening things up. We have more opportunities. Um, but I just want to caution us. 
uh, this is high risk. This is a high risk operation. Um, but it would be high risk if we didn't do anything. It would be high risk uh, for our state, for our country, if we sat back and said we can't do anything. So whatever we do is a risk. Um, what I'd ask you to do in your individual lives and then collectively, uh, because you have such an impact on everyone else, is make those calculated risks. Uh, make those good judgments. Uh, because what you do is going to impact our ability uh, to, to come back economically, but it's also going to involve uh, really impact our ability to, to keep as many of our fellow Ohioans safe uh, as, as we can. Um, to my friends in rural Ohio, I live in rural Ohio. Fran and I live in Cedarville. In fact, we don't even live in Cedarville. We live out in a farm. Uh, so we understand that sometimes it feels like the virus is not impacting us uh, as much. Uh, but we certainly see evidence uh, that that virus can, can, can come into the rural areas. Uh, we can see people who die, uh, and we can see a movement of this. So we just all need to keep in mind that we are in this together. Uh, and if you're in a rural area, what happens in, in an urban area does, in fact, impact you and may, in fact, impact you in, in the future. Uh, that your mom who is in a nursing home, um, that your dad who might be in a nursing home uh, in that small county, uh, if that virus gets into that nursing home, uh, it's going to come in by somebody in that county or somebody in that community who might be working there. So we are all tied in, in together. Uh, and that's why we have taken the approach that we need to do this together. Uh, so a, a good day, a uh, happy day as we move forward, uh, but just a day that we have to continue to be uh, exceedingly careful. Uh, I am optimistic we can do this. We are Ohioans. Uh, we're going to get through this. Um, I look forward to uh, um, many, many days in, in the future as we continue to open up other things uh, and as we continue to take care of each other. John. Thank you, Governor. Very well said. Uh, I think that uh, that uh, you covered it well, and uh, I wanted to just say just a couple things. Uh, one, first of all, a little housekeeping item as it relates to cosmetology, uh, personal services opening up, and 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 restaurants. Um, these will be posted. If they're not already up, they will soon be posted on our coronavirus website. Um, and one thing, while personal services did discuss massage, uh, those recommendations will come out of the medical board, uh, the medical board which regulates uh, the, that particular industry. The good news in working with the, the, the cosmetology group, the personal services group, and the restaurant group is these are groups that are accustomed to being regulated. They all regularly interact with their departments of health. Uh, they have strict standards, and now they're going to have even more strict standards. Um, as Governor alluded to, May is moving month. Uh, there are a lot of things that are moving in May uh, in our economy. Uh, and I look back two months ago when we kind of all started with this and, and how much we've learned since then. We've just learned a lot, but we still don't know everything that we need to know. The learning will come every day, but I do believe that Ohio successfully led in and Ohio can successfully lead out. Uh, knowing that this will 
will never quite be over until there is a, a vaccine uh, developed. But as, as Governor noted, hospitals, uh, you know, we went away from essential, non-essential, manufacturing, construction, distribution is opening up. And on Monday, retail will fully open. I, I talked to our friends at Jobs Ohio last night. I asked them, once we get through May 12th, where will we be in terms of what will be open in Ohio's economy? And they said 89 percent. Uh, of the economy will be open in Ohio on Monday. And once we add in personal care and the 50 percent um, uh, occupancy rate for uh, projecting 50 percent occupancy rate on restaurants, that will be at 92.5 percent uh, of the Ohio economy with obviously more to come. Uh, and so employers are going to be calling people back to work. At least some of them will be. And uh, every single one of those businesses now has a stronger health requirement, uh, a stronger safety requirement than it than it did just a few weeks ago, uh, when people come back and and businesses have embraced that because they know that you have to keep employees safe, you have to build consumer confidence, uh, and I know that that uh, the businesses of our state understand that, uh, and that's why uh, these safety uh, that's where these safety provisions came from. Um, we are learning to not just live with the coronavirus, but to learn, live successfully with it in our lives. And as more of life opens up, I just want to reiterate what the, what the governor said. We just have to be more vigilant about protecting each other, both personally vigilant and collectively vi vigilant, so that we don't see an increase of the spread of the virus, which certainly is a threat as we begin to open things up. Uh, the safety protocols that we've put in place, the testing, the tracing, they help isolate the virus and, uh, and limit its spread. Uh, but we have to be also disciplined as we go forward so that we can keep creating economic opportunity while keeping people safe. Uh, some things I want to emphasize from my conversations with the people in the personal care industry and the restaurants. Uh, they all emphasized, the people on that group, they said, look, you have to make sure that these are strictly enforced. We don't want one bad actor to give our industry a bad name. Uh, and it's important that that happen. And it's not our opinion, it's their opinion as well. Uh, these things will be strictly enforced. Uh, and the regulations uh, that were developed were that collaboration, that businesses believe they can live with them, and the health departments and the health officials that work with them believe that they provide the, the level of safety that we need. They're practical and safe. Uh, uh, Trevor Weaver and Debbie Penzone did, did such a great job. And I know I did, a, I did a call this morning quickly with John Barker, who's from the Ohio Restaurant Association, and he also reiterated to me that the members of, the indus of his industry want there to be strict rules and they want those rules to be enforced uh, and violators to be held accountable. And the industry recognizes the need for that accountability and the Ohio Restaurant Association put, put out a promise. They said that this is the restaurant uh, promise, that, that they're going to, to make sure that they're protecting you and their employees, the customers and the people who work there. And um, uh, I, I do, though, want to talk about the month of May just for a second because, as I said, it's, it's a moving month. Things are changing. And um, but we're going we're gonna to live with the coronavirus health consequences for a while. The economic consequences may last even longer. Uh, and even as over 90% of the economy will open up in this month, 
Most businesses will not fully recover this year, and some of them may never recover. Uh, that's not because of anything that we're talking about here. That's because we're in the midst of a global pandemic and a global economic recession. Uh, if you read about what's happening in other continents, in other countries, uh, they're experiencing dramatic economic consequences of, the, of what's happened with the coronavirus. Uh, and, but ultimately, this manifests in our lives with higher unemployment rates. We talked about this earlier this week, about how when people aren't working and they're not spending money, that affects our sales taxes and our income taxes, uh, both at the state, local, and federal level, which is what we use to provide that vital safety net to people, uh, to real-life consequences uh, on health, education, uh, and that social safety net. And so this is a time as we're pulling, opening things up, that we have to pull together even closer because it's, it's a responsibility that we have to each other. Uh, we got to pull together, move forward, and really selflessly, selflessly protect each other. Uh, I know we don't like masks, some of us. I don't like wearing them. Uh, I know many people that don't, but it's not about me. Uh, it's not about any one of us. It's about the responsibility we have e to each other to respect distances, to wash our hands a couple of extra times a day to make sure that we're not uh, spreading the virus potentially to someone else. Because uh, when we do these things, that allows us to do the two things at once, to open up and to move forward. Uh, and we will continue to learn new things every day, uh, and we will get better every day, individually and collectively. But this is the beginning of getting through this. We are getting through this. We are moving forward. We are smarter. We are better informed so that we are empowered to solve these problems in our own lives, in our families, and in our communities. And, and uh, I love what the governor said earlier about Ohioans outpacing some of our other states. I hope you'll view it as a competition. Hope you'll view it as a competition that as we open up as a state, we want to continue to beat these other states. We want to show that Ohioans are personally responsible, they, they, they do care about each other, and that, that we, will, we will win the health side of this as well as the economic side of it. And uh, uh, I just thank, thank all of you for what you're doing, and God bless us as we continue through this journey. Governor? Thanks, John. Dr. Acton. Thank you, Governor, Lieutenant Governor, and um, good afternoon to everyone on a very beautiful day here in Ohio. I, I do feel the spirit of this day, and I absolutely love that you've challenged us to, I, I love that idea. So let, we are gonna do this, Ohio. I um, do wanna go over some data with you. Uh, we have cases in Ohio today, again, on our website as well, 22,131 cases in Ohio. Overall in our country, there have been 1.2 million cases of COVID-19. And our cases are up from 555 from yesterday. Um, our deaths in Ohio are at 1,271. That's an increase in 46 reported over the last 24 hours. In this country, um, we have lost 73,500 people to this disease. Next slide, Eric. Um, again, much of the same, our testing is going up. We see that we're at 175 thousand over that in Ohio 
and our numbers otherwise pretty much the same. Next slide. And our trends, again, uh, overall, over our 21-day trend period, again, we're still fairly stable across. So we're still plateaued for the most part. Next slide. Testing, um, again, this is going to be a big month for Ohio and expanding testing. Uh, we did hit, um, we have a good spike here, over 8,000 tests done in a day yesterday. That was a new height for us, Lieutenant Governor, Governor. Um, but again, it's, it's only a fraction of our goal. We're pushing very hard. We have teams working not just on testing um, that we can go to in uh, centers, but also we're working on some new strategies of mobile testing, our local health departments that the governor mentioned, working on new strategies to get testing to places it's never been before, and to make sure that testing is equitably spread amongst our communities. Next slide. So I want to take a few moments to talk about how all of these things that we've been discussing go together, how we have to do two things at one time and how we go about that. So we've talked a lot about making our changes by moving that dimmer switch and watching the data. And we'll have more and more data in the weeks to come. Some new numbers we'll be following. But also on our, our keeping the spread, the spread of infection, that's our big risk as we move forward and go about our lives. So we have two big tools the governor has talked about, getting testing so we can identify cases. And this comes um, from uh, Dr. Tom Frieden's group. He was the past uh, head of the CDC for many years, someone I met in my young years in the 90s, um, working on projects as diverse as the Human Genome Project, which seemed so futuristic then, uh, to being just a leading expert in the world. And he is now working globally on something called Resolving to Save Lives. He also just gave testimony and was in the news a lot yesterday. So one of the slides, these are a couple slides, we'll have them on our website for you that I find interesting. But he's calling about boxing it in. How do we box in this virus? Our biggest risk is that any time there is a flare-up, one of the fires we need to put out, we want to know right away with testing. And then this is what we do. This is what we were doing on the way in for travelers. We test. We isolate people who are infected, ask you to stay at home those 14 days. But more importantly, the old bootstraps epidemiology is the disease detective work where we talk to you, find out who you came in contact with. If I have it, but I just saw the governor, the governor would be the first to know that he had been in contact with someone who has this disease. The person who is sick isolates. Um, the word, so isolate is for ill, remember that? But quarantine is for people who have been in contact. We ask you to self-quarantine. Ohioans have done this all along. They've done it voluntarily. But this is where you'll work with your employer. You'll work to stay home for 14 days so that you don't spread it to others. And then we'll help you monitor for symptoms and help you get treatment if you need it. That's old school epi, it's bootstraps epidemiology. We're also using state-of-the-art new epidemiology epidemiology governor. This is where we use 
diving into data for metrics. This is all the new data sets that we're looking at. This is using all our universities across the states and the best skills. We watch things like tra traffic patterns and we dive into the spread of infectious disease. So those two, academic epidemiology and some of the modeling we've seen, old school, someone, a nurse or community health worker who will talk to you and talk you through it, those things coming together will help us open up and help us limit this spread. Next slide. A new number we'll be talking about, Governor, is R0, which sounds like a very complicated number. It's really R effective is the actual name for it. But all of this is about how viruses spread. So R0, and we'll be showing this, when we began, the spread of infectious diseases in Ohio and around the globe was about one person could spread it to 2.5 to 3 people. And in fact, when we started in Ohio, before you took the steps you did, we were spreading it to 2.3 people. We are now down to one, which means one person spreads to one person. This is so important because this is the person with infection, and they have a chance of up to, at times, four people. But if we can keep that spread to one person, they might do it to the next four people and the next four people. But we're trying to keep that chain of transmission as small as possible by that contact tracing and people isolating. If you don't do this, the one person can give it to four people each person gives it to another four people, and that's that logarithmic spread. And Before you know it, something that might even happen in a place like a nursing home goes with a worker back home, spreads throughout the community. That's where you know, we'll really see our cases rise in Ohio. We'll see a lot more deaths and illness. We don't want that. So our effectiveness is keeping this R0, a new number for us to learn, uh, very, very small. Next slide. This is a slide that is way too busy, I am sure, for you to see on the screen. But I want you to go to our website, coronavirus.ohio.gov, and take a look at it. This slide, which looks very busy, talks about several components of things we are doing as a state, far beyond any order, far beyond anything we've done before. This map is a journey map for our year ahead and where we've been so far. But up here, and I'll do this bigger next time on a, I think I need an old poster board, I'm missing it. But I remember I told you about there were very stages in a pandemic um, from when we first found it in Wuhan. And here's our curve that we are trying to avoid, the surge on the hospitals. We flattened that in Ohio. But in the journey of a year, we know that how we behave and what we do, how safe our businesses perform, we know we'll have some bumps along the road in this journey. We don't want them to, they can spike pretty high again, but our, our journey is to keep it as flat or small of bumps as possible. So we will be doing things from teaching and educating to the kinds of keeping it, this is our boxes, our testing and contact tracing, to effective case management and treating illness, to the physical distancing that we are all doing as we open businesses, and policies, ultimately, at the very end, vaccines. This, if you want to look at this online, if you want a cheat sheet to every tool we have in our toolbox, it will be this adaptive response to COVID-19. And it will give you a lot of sense about where we're going. So I look forward to going over that with you more in days ahead. So to conclude, I just want to say, I've always felt all along that there was sort of a false narrative that you would say, 
we have to risk health on one side or businesses on the other. We know this is a journey. I personally never like to accept zero-sum games. I'm always trying to find the win in everything. And I think Ohioans can work together to find a win. There's always a third alternative when you're faced with a dawning challenge. You have to begin with accepting the reality. And the reality is this virus can be very dangerous to people, not just to people who die, but to all of us. We're hearing new news about children and inflammatory heart disease. We're learning that people are having heart disease and strokes, kidney disease, and diabetes. You're much more at risk. We'll learn more and more about that as time goes on. But it's not a zero-sum game. We have, if we learn to accept this virus and what is dangerous about it, we will then become innovative in how to live with it. And what you heard today, Governor, were just amazing work by health professionals and businesses together to be healthy. But what we do matters. We are, in Ohio, 11.7 million of us are the business owners. We are the workers and we are the customers. We are the hospitals and the hospital owners and the hospital workers and we are the employees and we are the patients. We are the caregivers in the nursing home and in a residential treatment program and we are the people in those programs. It's us, it's all of us and we can make a difference by how we behave. If we take this responsibly, we protect each other. This is our freedom and it is our responsibility. But it is our job to make these businesses succeed. And we can also vote with our feet. We can support those businesses and we can protect those workers. And if we don't see places that are doing it, we can also choose to not go to those places. But in the end, it's all of us together. I really feel Ohio, let's do this better than any state. Let's prove them right. Let's prove these businesses. Let's help them every way we can. Let's prove a governor, a lieutenant governor, who believe in us doing this right. Thank you. Dr. Acton, thank you very much. Before the first question, um, I also wanted to mention that on Monday, uh, we will have an announcement in regard to child care. So that will be coming up on, on Monday. With WCPO. Um, I'd like to ask this question to Director Acton. Um, Dr. Acton, we, um, this is a question sent in from a viewer who wants to know the importance of wearing masks and how much it will be able to help, um, especially with today's announcements moving forward, how much everyone wearing a mask would help decrease infection and if this does go well for a few weeks with a lot of people wearing masks and infections don't go up too much if we'll be able to continue moving forward. Well, thank you. I, you know, the Lieutenant Governor joked about it too, and I, I've joked too. You know, this is something to get used to for all of us. It's not something that comes easily. And, you know, I often, I myself have this little basket of gloves during the winter, and now I have a little basket of odds and ends of oddly shaped masks. And as a reminder to take it with me when I leave my house. And, and you know, the science has proven now that this can make a big difference for us. Remember, it is this sort of, I'm thinking of it as a high five, and we have some new advertising coming out to help inspire all of us to kind of rock this and not just take it as a form of something that limits us, but actually should become sort of a, a high five sign 
that we care about each other and, and we're protecting each other. And so there are tips, coronavirus.ohio.gov, how to make them, how to wear them better. Our nonprofits and others were deeply committed to making sure that people have access to this. I've seen people even just wearing scarves. But this really does make a difference. It's that one thing we can do to help each other out. We do a lot of things in life to help each other out, to keep each other safe. <laughs> we follow traffic laws. We wear our seatbelts now. We do a lot of things that we've grown to do that we weren't used to. This should be one of those things, and it really will make a difference. Um, so try to approach it that way. Take it off when you're free in your car and it's just you, and you take it off maybe when you're out in nature and no one is around. But it's very easy to just wear around your neck and pull up when you're entering a space, and that will make a tremendous difference in how we fare um, in Ohio. Hi, my question is also for Dr. Acton. This is Molly Martinez with Spectrum News. Dr. Acton, you touched on this a little bit, but it seems we are very much at the apex of cases and deaths right now. And with cases expected to rise as things open up, the governor says there's risk in everything you, we do, but in your opinion, is this a good idea? Thank you. So. These are very, I will not lie about this, these are very, very difficult decisions to make. And I was on the phone last night with um, uh, all the surrounding states. We have like evening calls twice a week. And I've also talked to my peers all over the country. There's not a state and there's not a country, because I've talked to people around the world, that is not struggling with these decisions. Um, this is a new playbook. We've never been here before in modern times. And, you know, we have to learn to live with this virus. We will take these steps as cautiously as we, as, as we can. We will watch the data very, very carefully. So much will be up to how we do this together, how well businesses implement these things, how well we as consumers help. Um, and we still want to do the basics of staying home a lot. We still want to be living in these tribes a little bit. This isn't a wide open thing. We want to go about judiciously. Um, and But we have to do this because there really is no way, as we can see, to sort of stop all life. And we have to address the other issues that we're seeing. What was always known with the social distancing was that there's cascading consequences. And we're seeing other health issues that are a consequence of some of what we do. You know, I worry deeply about things like domestic violence and child abuse and, 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 and the impacts of some of these policies. So we are really trying to find that sweet spot. Um, but no one knows for sure. And I think we'll have to be very honest as we move forward, and we'll make the next decision as we approach that place in the journey. I mean, I think that's what we've done all along, and we will remain as transparent as we can be. We will make these decisions as Ohioans together. It's not us alone. It's mayors and county commissioners and local health departments. It's hospitals. But the news now is that when this first happened, it, was, it just hit us, and we had to act quickly. We have all new relationships. We've rebuilt 
um, a response system, new zones and regions where people are working together day and night in your community to address this at the local level. We are going to watch every hotspot as it happens. We will rush into that and try to give the best resources. We'll get more and more PPE. We'll get more and more testing. But this is a journey now that we're all on together, and, and we'll do it with you every step of the way. Uh, good afternoon, Governor. This is Marty Schladen at the Ohio Capital Journal. Um, when you say the r not will increase as a consequence of the measures announced today, aren't you saying more Ohioans will die? And can you explain this agonizing decision-making you have to make between um, these grave public health decisions and the grave economic decisions about when businesses are closed? And lastly, uh, have you given any more consideration to allowing health compromised service workers to stay at home and keep their unemployment insurance. Well, on, on the latter part, that certainly is, is something that, that if someone is health compromised, um, you know, that's something we would hope would get worked out between the employer and the employee, that that person could be put in some position, maybe from home, uh, if not from home, in, in a more isolated position so that they could be safer. Um, these are difficult decisions. Um, there's, there's just no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, as I, I thought, as I was thinking about this this morning and, and kind of thinking some of the things that I might say today, um, I think that we have done everything we can to set things up for the workplace. Um, when businesses follow these best practices, um, we don't eliminate risk, uh, but for those seven hours or eight hours or however m how long the, the employee is there, um, you, you know, what we can assure the employee um, and the customer, if it's retail, is that everything's been done that can be done. Um, what I have a bigger concern about, uh, uh, frankly, is what we do the other 16 hours a day. Uh, and that really lies, again, with each and every one of us. So if Ohioans look at this opening in May of our retail and opening of our restaurants as a kind of like ringing a bell and saying it's over, or ringing a bell and saying, hey, it's okay, uh, ringing a bell, the 70-year-old says, hey, I can go out. Um, I may have asthma. I may have this problem, but I, you know, I can do this and I can do that. Then we're going to be in big trouble. Uh, so I think it is, it is really uh, we can do these things. There is some risk. Uh, but if people who have a great risk don't do them, frankly, uh, and if everybody else does it in a, in a careful, considered way, um, that's really the most important thing. You know, we, we talk a lot about masks, and I, I understand that for some people they can't physically wear them, and that's fine, um, but the majority of us can wear them. Uh, we don't have a physical or any other uh, problem about wearing them. 
Um, you know, if we can get that percentage of people in Ohio who are out, who are wearing them up dramatically, um, that's going to save lives. So, so much of this is in our hands. I don't think anyone, or not very many people, think that we can keep this economy totally shut down for a year more. Um, the social consequences and the, the health consequences would be astronomical. Uh, so, yeah, it's a risk. And that's, I just set it right up. It's a risk. But it's also a risk if, if you don't do anything. Uh, so I think we have to move forward. The question is how we move forward. And we've taken care of the business side. Now everybody's got to comply uh, and everybody's got to do what they need to do uh, in regard to that. But the rest of that time that we control as individuals uh, is really going to determine how well we do. And we can control it. We can wear a mask. We can observe the six-foot distance. You know, we can, as we go about our business, we can be we can be careful or we can not be careful. And if this is like ringing a bell and saying, hey, you can go out, it's time to go out, we can go do everything, uh, and we don't have to be careful anymore, then we're in big trouble, big, big, big trouble. But we control this, all of us, uh, collectively, and we can do it. Governor. Good afternoon, Governor. Karen Johnson, WLWT in Cincinnati. Uh, a lot of communities, especially in the Cincinnati area, are contemplating setting up outdoor dining areas that would be shared by all restaurants in that district, especially communities with Dora districts. Can they get clarification if that would be permitted and also if individual establishments could expand outdoor seating areas beyond what current laws allow? Well, as far as the latter part of your question, that's probably going to be a zoning issue or, or an issue that they're going to have to take up with their local unit of government, whether they can expand that or not. Uh, as far as the first part of your question, I had not heard about that. Um, I, I think it, it depends on are they compliant with what the regulations say. And part of this is the business has an obligation to control the environment. So if it's creating a big space that no one really controls, that's probably not going to cut it. Uh, if they're controlling that environment and if there is the distancing, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, there's probably ways that they certainly could do that. So, uh, again, it's, it comes back to can they, can they do it? Uh, can they follow the rules? And are they – retaining control of the situation because what goes on in their restaurant or outside their restaurant if it's if it's if it's space outside uh that they are provided uh they have that responsibility to do that and you know the working group very much the people on the working group said hey we'll accept that responsibility this is our game uh this is our responsibility we're the hosts and we'll we'll take care of that so if they can do that they're probably okay Adrian Robbins, NBC4, and my question's for the governor. Um, we still get many reports that not enough people are wearing masks or social distancing in stores right now. Yesterday, many members of the General Assembly weren't wearing a mask. Uh, the House Speaker said he didn't own a mask. 
Do you ever have any second thoughts about entrusting the health of others with individual Ohioans and if people will do the right thing when protecting others? Well, I think as far as businesses, um, uh, you know, this is something new, but businesses are required to do that now. Uh, and so we would expect that that is, is taking place. Uh, and if it's not taking place, that needs to, certainly needs to take place. Uh, again, I think that it is uh, something that we have to get used to. Uh, it is a change for us. We're culturally not used to doing this. Uh, but again, as I would say, this is not forever. Um, and this is, if we're going to make it, if we're going to get through this without a significant spike in, in number of cases, uh, if we're going to get through this and be able to do two things at once, bring the economy back at the same time, stay safe, we're going to have to have a, you know, more and more people uh, every day are going to have to, when they go out to go to the grocery store, they go to the hardware store, wherever they're going, uh, you know, if they're out in public, uh, they need they need to wear that that mask, uh, and you know they need to they they need to do that. Now, if you know if they're out walking and uh, they're not around people, do do what they want to do. Uh, but but ultimately, this is this is saying I'm I'm here to try to help you and protect you, and that's really what what this is this is all about. Hello, Governor. Kevin Landers, WBNS 10 TV. Uh, Governor, both you and Dr. Atkin uh, have sort of a, have had a rough week. Um, there were protests outside of Dr. Amy Atkin's home, despite your warning not to. Governor, your own party tried to strip Dr. Atkin of her powers, and there is growing backlash that businesses in Ohio did not open quicker. I'm just wondering, how much of a challenge has it been for both of you to lead at this time? Well, I don't consider it a rough week, uh, <clears throat> frankly. Uh, some of the decisions we've made have been tough um, for the last several months. Uh, but um, people have the right to criticize me. Uh, legislature has the right to uh, do what it, it, it does, and uh, that's, that's fine. Uh, but uh, I would not consider it to be a tough week. Um, I've made it very clear that the buck stops with me. These decisions are my decisions. And then when people don't like them, they should take that up with me. Uh, you know, to, to try to use someone else, a member of the cabinet, Dr. Acton, uh, and go after her, uh, I just think is wrong. I just think it is wrong. Uh, and it's not very productive because I'm the one you're after uh, if people don't like what, what I'm doing. Um, I want to <clears throat> I want to say something about uh, you, since you asked about it, uh, the House's action yesterday. Um, I made it very clear that if that bill would make it through the Senate and would be put on my desk that I would veto the bill and I want to explain to people of the state of Ohio why. Um, the essence of this bill, or the essence of this law, excuse me, has been on the books for about 100 years. Uh, legislatures have looked at, they've changed it some, uh, in fact, not, not that long ago. So it's not been a, a law that's been ignored. It's been on the books, it's, it's been used. 
Uh, we are in the middle of an emergency now, an emergency that we have not faced for 102 years. Uh, so I, I just I, I don't understand why anyone would think that this is a great time um, to be changing the law, to be taking away the, the, the power of the executive branch uh, to protect people. Health concerns are historically something that the executive branch, that the governor's office deals with. As long as I'm governor, I intend to follow my oath and to take care of those problems. Uh, and any bill or any attempt uh, that gets in the way of our ability to protect the people of the state of Ohio uh, is a bill that uh, I will be, be forced to veto to protect the people of the state of Ohio. Um, the actions that we have taken uh, under this law uh, have been highly successful, highly successful. Uh, great action of the people of the state of Ohio. But these actions that we have taken pursuant to this law have, have been very, very successful. Um, you heard Dr. Acton talk about one-to-one. -one. Uh, we've talked about flattening the curve. We're in the position now where we can open up Ohio only because we took those, we took those actions. And if we had not taken those actions, uh, we would not be in a position to, to move forward. Uh, the nature of a health emergency is it takes quick action. Uh, what this bill would do would be to strip, strip uh, the governor of the ability uh, to take this quick, quick action. Under this House bill, um, once an order was issued, uh, if JCAR, uh, the legislative branch agency, did not take any action, uh, then the order would go away in 14 days. Uh, this would include... And these are the type orders and the reason orders are issued by the head of the health department. Uh, Legionnaire outbreak at a hospital. Coli outbreak at a food processing plant or in a restaurant. Surgical facility not following the law. Uh, radiation scare, safety problem in regard to radiation. These are all things and all reasons that the director of health uh, would issue orders. Um, this bill also is not workable even if you would support the bill. It would say that anybody in the state of Ohio, anybody in the state of Ohio, could file a suit. Um, it gives no standard for the court really to, to follow. And anybody could, could file a suit, um, and we could be in uh, any, any court, and we would have courts deciding these, these health issues, uh, and we could have dueling courts at the same, at the same time. Um, and as we issue orders to reopen, here's the great irony. As we issue orders to reopen, if somebody doesn't like that, they could take that court, that to court as, as well. Uh, so under this bill, if it ever became law, it would be nothing but chaos. Uh, and so it's just, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand it. We have a lot of things to deal with in Ohio. 
Uh, we're in the middle of a crisis. Um, we're trying to bring the economy back. We're trying to protect Ohio citizens. There's, we have a budget that we're trying to balance. Um, so many, many things that we need to do, and I um, guess I don't quite understand it. No. Thank you. Uh, your time to Thank you for the question, Kevin. I have to say, um, I don't know if many of you know, but again, I've been in this job a year, a little over a year, maybe at this point now, it's blurring by. But you know, I come to it from being a doctor and I was a university professor of global health. I worked in philanthropy, so dealt more in the nonprofit and private sector. And I can say to you this, it is an honor it's an honor to be a public servant and to work for this governor and lieutenant governor. I mean, it's an honor to be in this moment in time. I don't think I had an appreciation for what the word public servant meant, certainly not for an elected person and, it's, and the pressures that they face, which I can now see a lot more clearly than I did as just a citizen, but also, all the public servants that you are not seeing when you see me here. I am the tip of the iceberg of a team of people who work tirelessly day and night on behalf of Ohioans. And, you know, it is, I, it just, the virus is the thing I'm focused on right now, and I think they are. It's a daunting task, and we just, you know, you stay awake at night going, did I do enough today? Have I done enough? Has my team done enough? What more could we do that we've never thought about? I'm not a very bureaucratic person, and I'm not much of a rules follower in my normal life. So we're constantly trying to think of new solutions. And, and so that's honestly where all my energy is right now, is focusing on that. And again, it, it's just an honor to serve at this time. Thank you. Hi, from Lou Anne Stoye, ABC6, Fox 28, Columbus. A couple of practical questions from viewers. We've seen signs at restaurants before that say no shirt, no shoes, no service. Could we expect to see similar signs with masks, no mask, no service? Also, just wondering from a practical standpoint, people are asking, how can you wear a mask and eat a meal? Well, I don't think you can. Um, I don't think anyone has thought that we, you could do that. And, uh, you know, the answer to your question is that that's up to the people who run the restaurant. Uh, we do not have a requirement, um, you know, that, that people um, who, who go in that they have to have a mask on. Um, so that's, you know, that's going to be, uh, I don't know, John, you work with the group. Is there any, any yeah. nuance in that you want to talk about? No, these are, it, it, it all comes into the area of what's practical. Uh, and as, as I believe that Treva Weaver mentioned in her earlier remarks today, you may be asked uh, that when you're going to the restroom or moving around in the restaurant, the, the, the restaurateur may say, look, for the, for the interest of our customers and for the safety of everybody involved, we would, we would like for you to wear a mask. And they, they may enforce that requirement of you in that west restaurant. They may supply you a mask to do those kinds of things. Um, what, what we have are the best practices as agreed upon by restaurant leaders and health leaders. 
but there, you can go above and beyond. There, there are mandate, there are mandated requirements, and there are best practices even above, above and beyond that. And some restaurateurs, look, businesses are going to appeal to you and pitch to you that they have the safest place to go uh, in town. And that's going to be part of their pitch to get people back. So I think you're going to see the restaurateurs, particularly you're, anybody that's dealing with customers, they want to make them feel comfortable. They want to make their employees feel comfortable. And I think that, that you will see many of them uh, really emphasize this and trying to build confidence in the, uh, amongst the public. Laura Hancock, Cleveland.com. Um, um, my question is about the quarantine when you arrive in Ohio from out of state. When will that be lifted as it's going to be summertime and people are going to probably travel more? We've got to look at that. Uh, there's been no no decision really made made about that. But that's a good question. Uh, it's a pertinent question, and I know people people are, are are asking that. So we will we'll get back to you on that. Hi, Aron Hammy with WLIO in Lima. Uh, Governor or Dr. Acton, uh, Indiana has been allowing more people to gather, and in about two weeks, they'll allow a hundred people to gather. Um, with restaurants being in full swing, surely there'll be more than 10 people in a given area. Have you guys given any thought to revising the order to allow more people to gather in the next two weeks? Um, look, um, look. These are these orders are always subject subject to uh, change as, as the situation changes. But as we open up and we do all these things. Um, it's really not a time to say that we need to have big gatherings of people because we know big gatherings of people, um, you know, we have a, a significant increase in the spread. So we are not, you know, we're, we're not about to do that at this point. As we look at, you know, summer activities and things that people, you know, will need to do, um, you know, we can think of some, some examples. Uh, you know, then we'll have to deal with with that question. So, not yet, uh, and we'll just kind of see how how this thing goes and some of the other things that you know that we're going to move forward on uh, for summer for summer activities. But again, the larger gatherings of group is just going to be you know really the last things that we we see come on. Uh, these are the things that it's just very, very difficult to to keep that spread from occurring. And again, it just it just gets back to the basics. You know, what what can we do uh, so that we do not have a significant uh, spread of the virus? Thank you, Jim Province with the Toledo Blade. This question is for the governor and Dr. Atkin. Um, when restaurants reopen on May nineteenth, Governor. Do you have personal plans for you and Fran to go out to dinner somewhere? And I have the same question for Dr. Acton as to whether she and Eric plan to go out. I, I will ask Fran. That, that, that will be a Fran call. Uh, Fran, so uh, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that, that question. Um, you know, we, we certainly have done, uh, we certainly have done carry out. Uh, we have a great pizza, pizza place. Uh, Colonial Pizza. I'll give them a little ad in, in Cedarville, and uh, we go. We get carry out pizza there. 
so I'm sure we'll be supporting uh, our restaurants one, one way or the other. And Dr. Atkin? Get to answer too. <laughs> yes, I, I'll do the one PS that, that I know that I will be making runs to Young's Jersey Dairy to get, uh, um, get ice cream and, uh, and they actually have a drive-through now. So we haven't, we haven't used the drive-through yet, but uh, we'll be bringing some ice cream home and dropping it off to some of our grandkids. So I'm sure we'll be doing that. Did my answer simpler? I have no life right now, so <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, taking a walk is like highest on my list of things I want to do, get out in a park and get out in nature the first chance I get. And, you know, I, I live here in Columbus in Bexley. I just, we love our restaurants and we've been doing a lot of carry out and, um, but um, it's something I look forward to like everyone else. There'll be a day for me and, um, and for all of us. So love our restaurants. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely, definitely carry out for Mother's Day. That's for sure at our house. Yeah. Don't <laughs> Hi, this is Jesse Bummer with The Inquirer. Um, obviously, childcare is really important for parents to get back to work. Is there any reason why that's taken a little bit longer to get hashed out? And then also summer activities like camping, gyms, movies, any update on those? Uh, Monday on child care, uh, it, it is very, very important. We want to get it right. Um, what is challenging about child care is, is how do you reduce the, the chances of spread uh, in that setting with kids, particularly young, young, young kids, um, and, but also make it so that the child care provider can actually financially do it. Uh, and so, you know, we've had special orders, special rules in regard to uh, during the pandemic for uh, essential workers. And, you know, we've reduced dramatically uh, the number of kids uh, in, in, in that setting. So those are the kind of the things that we, 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 we balance. Um, you know, as far as the summer uh, and summer activities, um, we're having discussions about that uh, this morning, uh, talking to one of our mayors about that. And look, kids kids have to have things to do in the summer. We fully understand that. And if they don't have organized things, they're going to obviously do 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 other things and, and hang out. But uh, so trying to figure out, uh, and I've asked asked mayors uh, around the state to come with us with kind of ideas about how you could balance the safety of that at the same time allow kids to be kids. So, work in progress. Jack Windsor, WMFD-TV in Mansfield. Uh, my question is for Dr. Acton. How many people are currently infected according to your estimates and uh, where are we with antibody testing? And oh, Governor, um, when, when are you going to rule on state parks and campgrounds? So, your first question was, how many people are currently infected? And the truth to that answer is we really don't know yet. That's one of the reasons we're really excited about a prevalence study that has begun this week um, in concert with universities all over Ohio. Prevalence um, is tough to tell when you don't have widespread testing. And, and, and another question people often ask is, how many have recovered? 
also hard to tell. We can make some guesstimates based on people who have been hospitalized, if they've been discharged, and maybe 14 days after that. But there are so many people who have had this illness and maybe not needed hospitalization, maybe worked with a physician, but never had the opportunity to be tested. So, so this study on prevalence will be a sample across the state. That will begin to give us an incidence number that we can really look at and work with. And then... Um, the second part of your question, I'm sorry. I, 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 I was asking about anybody. Uh, state parks are open. Um, they're going to remain open. As far as campgrounds, uh, we'll have that shortly. Um, you know, there, look, there's, there, there's no reason that people will not be able to camp. Uh, we'll get that out officially in the next, in the next few days. Uh, the only thing, as I've mentioned before, that you'd be careful about is just group groupings. Uh, so you not, might have a situation where a campground is open, but um, you know some common areas are not there for for everybody to gather. Um, you know, so. Whoop. Governor Andy Chow with the. Uh, at least the video. I don't know if we lost the audio or not, but. If you can hear me, I'll just keep going. Governor, it's Andy Chow with Ohio Public Radio, State House News Bureau. If uh, there, were no, there were no lower level employees in these working groups, just made up of business owners, what do you say to people who argue that these working groups were just made up of people who wanted to get their businesses going again? Still up. All right, we can't see, uh, but uh, we can, I think we can still hear the questions. Whoever has the next question. Television, State House News Bureau. These, these working groups, they didn't have any lower level employees on it, just made up of business owners. What do you say to people who argue that these working groups just had business owners who wanted to get their businesses up and running again? Um, look, they had, we have sole proprietors. Uh, we have people who uh, particularly when you're dealing with the professions, these are people who are actually cutting the hair, uh, they're doing the nails, they're doing the work themselves, although they may be, may be actually the owner. Uh, uh, my experience has been each one of them has a real interest in protecting their employees. Uh, and in, in, during this pandemic, um, empl pl no employer should want to be in a situation where the employees are in a dangerous dangerous situation. First of all, it's not the right thing to do. Second, they won't be able to get people to come uh, and actually work for them. So that, I think there's a real, real incentive uh, to do that. John, I don't know if you have anything to yeah, add would, on that. Yeah, I would, I would add that many, many of the, of the restaurateurs and, and the, the people in the personal care business are, are practitioners. They, they are cutting hair. They are uh, operating the restaurant there, physically there, they, they just don't own it on a piece of paper, they're actively involved in the business. Uh, good. Well, my sympathies, Governor. Um, Randy Ludlow with the Columbus Dispatch. Um, you have issued, the state has issued orders requiring employees in the workplace uh, to wear masks. Uh, Aren't lawmakers employees of the people of the state of Ohio? And should they not be wearing masks? 
my employees, and I'm sure they'll, t they'll tell you that uh, they'll, they'll talk about the co-equal branch of government, which we fully, uh, fully respect, uh, just as we respect uh, the, the, the Supreme Court. So, um, this, you know, it would not be right for the governor to be telling the legislature uh, what, what to do in that respect or, or in any other respect. We have three, three branches of government. I think it's what makes it such a great system that we have in, in, in this country. Of what you say is a, is a best practice to keep others safe. I'm wearing a mask every time I go out in public. So is Fran. Thank you, Spencer Hickey with Hannah News Service. Yesterday, the Ohio Chamber of Commerce released a survey where eight percent of the respondents said they believe their business will make a profit next quarter. And given that, can you discuss what the economic recovery is going to look like and what the state will continue to do to support businesses? Were you able to hear me? Well, I'm, I'm as I've told you many times, I'm the optimist. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're coming back. Um, I think if, if people have confidence that they can go out, um, you know, they're going to go to restaurants, they're going to go to retail. Uh, a great deal of our economy is, is obviously dr driven uh, by the consumer. And if the consumer feels good about w where we are, uh, this economy will move forward. That's where, why I always have felt that we had to get the virus situation right and that we could not move forward on the economy unless we had the virus situation right. And so these are two in intertwined so very, very, very closely. I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, these are not easy times. Um, we got a lot of people hurting, but I think we're going to come back. I know we're going to come back. Um, and I'm, I'm optimistic. And if we can get this right as we come back and do it the right way, um, we got a, we got a great future. Hi, Governor. Good afternoon. Julie Carsmith at the Associated Press. Um, I have a question, you know, we do have the stay-home order. We're beginning to hear these lists of things that are going to reopen restaurants uh, and uh, businesses. People are going back to their offices. So it sounds as if they can move between their house and their work or they can patronize businesses. Um, they also, you've mentioned church, you've mentioned um, that people can go to funerals and weddings. What about just an average social gathering, um, people going to each other's homes, people uh, going to and, and just living regular life. How does that look and when does that start again? Look, Julie, I think more and more as we go, this, you know, it's obviously in people's own hands how, how they're going to, to live. I mean, people, you know, you're not going to have the police, uh, you know, pull someone over and arrest them. Uh, what we've tried to do is give give the best guidance we can, and w what we don't want to have happen is people think when, you know, as we move more and more part of our economy open, uh, that they don't have to be cautious. And so the only thing I, I would just say to everyone is just be cautious, make make rational make rational decisions about you know those those contacts uh, and that and that spread. Um, you know, summer comes, spring is here, people are move, certainly moving around more, uh, but the virus is still just here. I mean, it, has, it hasn't changed, it hasn't gone away in any way, shape, or form. Uh, 
And so we know a little bit more about it. So we just got to we got to stay stay focused. And I would just ask my fellow Ohioans to make those rational decisions. That was our last question. COSI, the Center of Science and Industry uh, in Columbus, is celebrating its statewide science festival online this year. Uh, as we all know, it's a great resource uh, for you, your kids, your grandkids to do experiments. And now you can do the experiments and activities at home. Uh, State of Ohio is a main partner with COSI, so I hope you'll take a few minutes today, tomorrow, or Saturday to check out the offerings. Here's a glimpse, glimpse of the fun with COSI CEO, Dr. Frederick Bertley. Hi, I'm Dr. Frederick Bertley, President and CEO of your number one science center in the nation, COSI. First off, a big thank you to Governor and First Lady DeWine, Lieutenant Governor Houston, Director Acton, and all those on the front lines helping to keep us safe. I also wanna thank all of you at home for doing your part. We're all in this together, Ohio. This week is the Digital COSI Science Festival, an online festival that connects you to a universe of science. I'm here to share two coronavirus-specific science demonstrations, the second of which you can experiment with at home. During this pandemic, you've all heard about the importance of washing your hands for a long period of time. Well, for this demonstration, I have some fluorescent zinc sulfide that I'll put on my hands. Think baby powder that glows in the dark. See all the germs on my hands? I'm gonna wash them now. The hands look clean, right? Let's have a closer look. I'm gonna shine this ultraviolet light. And if there's green, you can see the germs have not been properly removed. And that's why we need to wash our hands for at least 20 seconds. Also during this pandemic, we've all witnessed a massive amount of shipping using sites like amazon.com. Well, along with your product, can come a ridiculous amount of styrofoam. How can you dispose of it? Well, use chemistry and help save the planet. Here I have some propanol, also known as acetone, or your household nail polish remover. It turns out that styrofoam is 90% oxygen. And when it reacts with the acetone, the oxygen is released into the air, leaving only small amounts of waste. See these demonstrations and so much more at CoSciSciFest.org this entire week. I also encourage all of you to participate in the COSI Science Festival by sharing your science home videos using hashtag CoSciSciFest. It's for the big at-home science celebration this Saturday. Go science and go Ohio. All right, that's pretty, pretty neat. Uh, by the way, Fran has reposted uh, her sidewalk chalk paint, sidewalk chalk paint that you can make at home with some cornstarch, water, and food coloring. That's uh, up online. Uh, when you mix these together, that's science and chemistry. So maybe that's another idea for you on this uh, great Ohio day. I want to take a moment today to thank all of our teachers. Uh, this is Teacher Appreciation Week. Monday was School Bus Driver Appreciation Day. <clears throat> this is certainly no ordinary time 
uh, and all of you who have truly risen to the occasion. We're very, very grateful. You've been so innovative, and you've been so creative in continuing to educate our, our young kids. Uh, words are really insufficient to express the gratitude that we all have to you. Thank you so very, very much. Yesterday was Nurse Appreciation Day. Uh, here, two words cannot adequately express our gratitude for all our nurses and health workers. In the words of Florence Nightingale, nursing is the finest of arts. Uh, we certainly could not get through this pandemic without our nurses. Uh, you all are on the front line uh, every single day. Uh, you provide comfort. Uh, your compassion, your dedication, and helping those in need is an amazing mission uh, for which we are all so very, very, very grateful. Thank you. Good news, um, I'm sure for the press corps uh, and for some of you at home, uh, we're not going to be here tomorrow. At least that's our plan uh, unless there's some breaking news or some reason that we have to uh, we need to really be here to communicate uh, to the people of Ohio. Uh, so I want to conclude by recognizing uh, this Sunday, of course, is, in fact, Mother's Day. Uh, so to all the mothers and grandmothers out there, congratulations, and the great-grandmothers uh, as, as well. It certainly is like uh, no other mother day, Mother's Day that we have ever had, uh, that we can, any of us can ever remember. Uh, it still remains a day where we honor and, and we thank and show our love for mothers uh, everywhere. Uh, I was certainly uh, blessed uh, with, with my mother. Um, my mother, Jean DeWine, she died in uh, 2008. Uh, I miss her very, very much. Uh, she died within four days uh, of my, my father. Uh, she was a beautiful, intelligent, uh, creative um, talented person, compassionate person. Um, my mother, or mama as she was known to her uh, eight grandchildren, or eight children, uh, she was a gifted writer. Uh, and for a period of time, uh, she wrote a column, A View from the Right, uh, that appeared in the Yellow Springs News. And, and our friend, uh, the late editor, uh, Keith Howard uh, of the paper, uh, mother always thought that he reached out to her to write a column. He'd seen her uh, letters to the editor, and uh, he reached out for her to write a column, maybe to give a little, a little more balance to the uh, editorial page. It was a little bit on the liberal, liberal side, uh, and she enjoyed doing that uh, very, very much and, and did that for a few years, and we, we still have and cherish her, her columns. Uh, she passed on to me uh, and to our children, uh, her grandchildren, uh, a real passion uh, for, for reading. Uh, she was really an integral part uh, of Fran and my children's, our eight children's lives, uh, for which we will uh, always be very, very uh, grateful. She and my, she and my dad uh, both very, very much. Uh, she gave me unconditional love, uh, taught me to believe in myself, uh, confidence to pursue my dreams. Uh, she believed in me um, when uh, 
probably she didn't have a lot of reason at some points uh, to do that. Um, I also want to uh, say Happy Mother's Day to, to Fran. Uh, as many of you know, Fran, uh, my girlfriend, I followed her to Miami University, uh, convinced her to marry me after the second year at, at Miami. Um, she's an amazing mother, an amazing uh, grandmother to our 24 grandchildren. And Fran's mother, uh, Mary, uh, who I've known since I was a little boy, uh, is turning 94 tomorrow. So to my mother-in-law, uh, Mary Strewing, uh, happy birthday. Um, we are very, very proud of you. Uh, we love you very, very much. Uh, we look forward to celebrating with you tomorrow online um, as you, as everybody in the family kind of kind of gets, gets together. Um, to all the moms, the grandmothers, sisters, wives, foster parents, um, everyone out there who's serving in the role of a, of a parent, uh, we thank you. Uh, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, parents' love and, and compassion is just what holds us together, what holds families uh, together. So whether, this year, whether it uh, is through telephone calls, Skype, Zoom, socially distanced visits, talking to each other through windows uh, this weekend, uh, to everybody, enjoy a very happy Mother's Day. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all back here this coming Monday at 2 o'clock. Thank you.